0: Hello and welcome to Affable Chat. My name's Benjamin and I'm here as always with my co-host Joey.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: And today we're talking about Rain of Fire, a movie that was recommended to us by our, our close friend Scott, friend of the podcast. Uh, Scott was also featured on our solo, uh, a Star Wars story episode. Uh, so thanks for recommending Rain of Fire
2: to us, Scott. I've kept this for years. Because someday it will be up to you. I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to understand. Knowledge is the only weapon we've got left. In the beginning it was ignorance that destroyed us. I saw the first. But soon the world saw millions. No one knew how they spawned so fast. They swarmed like locusts, burning everything in their path, driven by one purpose, to feed. Even then we couldn't believe they were real. Ancient man, made them into myths but nature had made something far more terrible too late our scientists discovered their true identity a species which had burned the dinosaurs to dust whose ash had brought on ice ages who in eons past had scorched the world cleaner life then starved then slept waiting for the earth to replenish itself waiting to start their cycle anew Our weapons shot fire back at them, yet for every one of them killed, a hundred took his place. They seemed invulnerable. We could only look on, as our leaders used their greatest arsenal to destroy them. But in the end, we only helped them. So the world burned. And the few of us that were left fled the cities, found shelter where we could. You have to understand our past, because you will decide our future. They're starving now, and they're more dangerous than ever. But we have to go on. We have to outlast them. Only one species is getting out of this alive.
1: This is a post-apocalyptic fantasy directed by Rob Bowman. Cast includes Dick Cheney, all right, all right, all right, and The Phantom of the Opera.
0: And Dick Cheney, obviously Christian Bale. uh, And the reason I felt the need to call him Dick Cheney for this one is because I just saw Vice and it was it was pretty good. I've seen some mixed reviews on it, but as a christian bale stan i totally enjoyed his performance and also it kind of opened my eyes to some of the stuff that was going on during the bush administration you know as a kid i wasn't really paying attention to politics all that much i think i was had my mind more on pokemon and other things (laughs) (laughs) Uh, valuable things exactly and you know now i'm finally catching up and it's some pretty interesting stuff going on about that time so uh dick cheney uh or vice rather i would say i would recommend going out and seeing it while it's still in theaters because it's quite an experience
1: um did you um did you see the big short
0: no but it's isn't that by the same guy
1: yeah i was just wondering if you thought it was better or worse. gary
0: sanchez is that another gary sanchez flick
1: i i I think so i know Uh, adam mckay wrote both at least i think so okay
0: it's um well you know what's interesting i I saw two movies over this break it was
1: adam mckay sorry aaron sorkin
0: okay uh i saw two gary sanchez flicks very different movies because he gary sanchez also produced holmes and watson
1: oh really did you did you stay through the whole thing of that
0: of course, I stayed through the whole thing. I paid my for my I paid my eleven bucks for my seat. Uh, no, it's not as bad as people say it is, in my opinion. If you walked into that movie and you're like, "Here we go, another compelling Sherlock Holmes film." Time to sit, th- like time to have my mind blown. <laughs> then obviously you're going to be super disappointed. Uh, but it, as far as like a mindless comedy goes, I thought I thought it was pretty good. Um, w- while we're still talking about movies that aren't Rain of Fire, um, <laughs> you you went and saw Mary Poppins, and yes, uh, Mary I've Poppins heard returns. I've heard really good things about it.
1: Yeah, it was really good. It was really, really good. The whole it, thing was so magical.
0: It makes me want to go see it. One of my coworkers, who isn't really that into movies, w- went and saw it for the second time last night. Oh, really? And I was like, what? Into the <laughs> Spider-Verse is out. Vice is out. Like, you're, you're But you're going to go see Mary Poppins twice? So, But it, I mean... Would you uh? Would you echo his sentiment that it's that it's worth seeing at least once, if not I twice? Would, yeah,
1: definitely. I think it's a big screen movie, honestly. And okay. Blunt and Lin Manuel Miranda are just like, impeccable. It's amazing.
0: I do like Lin Manuel Miranda, uh, although I did I felt a little strong, a more strongly about my fanhood of him before it became like. Uh, normie culture to like <laughs> Hamilton. Um, although I, I feel like I was part of the transition to normie culture as opposed to part of the original Hamilton crowd. But anyways, uh, n- none of these movies are Reign of Fire, which is what we're here to talk about yes. today. So I actually, for once, didn't pay three ninety nine dollars to rent this mo- the movie that we're watching. I watched this on HBO Go
1: yeah I actually watched this on Amazon video, and then when our power went out, my dad recreated some of the scenes with one of his friends and some masks and some laser swords.
0: you <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: you had me going there for like two seconds <laughs> I did actually
1: watch this with my dad. It's one of his favorite movies too.
0: Oh, that is funny um I did I loved that scene um, go ahead and while we're reenacting or retelling stories, go ahead and hit us with a synopsis.
1: okay. Americans save the Europeans again.
0: That's right. Uh, (laughs) And (laughs) this is the perfect movie to watch at this point in the podcast, I think, because I... uh, I feel like we don't really have that many running gags. We we have so many like different topics that we cover on the podcast. It's hard to keep things going consistently. But one thing that we have hammered home is that I demand the inclusion of Americans in every film, even in films that take place in other countries, like this one does. And dude, you could, yeah, like I think you knew exactly how I was going to react <laughs> when Matthew McConaughey showed up and like brought the firepower with the Americans. Um, so great synopsis uh, let's get into it what did you like about this movie give me your prose
1: okay I think this this movie has a really unique premise that's actively engaging throughout the whole thing um, there's some really interesting action that I've never seen before and it's done really well the dragons in this movie look amazing uh, in case that wasn't clear this movie is about dragons right um, Matthew McConaughey uh, his character Van Zant is just really awesome he does such a good job he completely disappears into that role um and i think the sound design like the sound of the dragon swooping that like wind you know whoosh, it's so cool so um yeah there's a lot of stuff that is just really cool about this movie about dragons
0: definitely um i i'm i do think the Premise is original. I'm a sucker for original premises. I hate to see the same movie multiple times, and or rather to see the same idea rehashed over and over. So I do like this idea with uh, you know what if dragons were real and a big part of the Earth's history. Um, <laughs> I also thought that the the cast was uh, you know impressive. If if you don't if the premise doesn't get you to sit down and watch this movie, maybe the cast will because uh, we've got some big names here. Uh, the, the, I did. I think the action is what this movie is going for m- 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 even beyond that the visuals and I think that they deliver on that aspect with the visuals dragons dude as a Game of Thrones fan spent so long waiting on the dragons this movie gives them to you <laughs> in the first hour yeah. in, in the first 15 minutes so uh, I appreciate that definitely just love the dragons and I agree Matthew McConaughey as Van Zandt is phenomenal I did not w- when I saw uh, the thumbnail for this movie on HBO. I had um, it just had uh, Christian Bale and um, Gerard Butler on there, and they both have kind of longer hair. So Ooh, obviously, like, that's
1: so weird. I feel like they change movie posters just to like adjust to current like climate. You know, like Gerard really? Butler is a bigger star right now or something. Yeah, I feel like they do that sometimes. But well, I Jackson also think McConaughey is definitely the like. He's definitely more of the like a, a memorable character than Jared Butler is.
0: Oh yeah, big time. But I think what they did is uh, reserve or, uh, or sorry, preserve the reveal of Matthew McConaughey because oh, yeah. when I saw those two, I saw long hair I was like, "Oh, obviously McConaughey's going to have lush,
2: flowing <laughs> hair
0: for this movie." And that's so obvious. And then he comes out, I didn't even recognize him at first. Me but that's he dis. And, and I like the way you said it too. He disappears into this role. He truly becomes Van Zandt. He, he's the most real character in this world, which I I think is awesome. And you know, my hat uh, is off to McConaughey. And if I had the same hair as him, it would expose my bald head, bald, uh, so,
1: bulging veins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: which just added so much to who he was this guy who was kind of like insane but also uh you have to be insane if you want to be able to take on these these dragons so uh i I love the character van zam definitely my favorite character in this one and uh uh we i I also liked the length of the movie because once i kind of realized what this movie was going for i was happy that they didn't make it drag on longer than it had to an hour and 42 minutes i think is Pretty, pretty much on the on the mark and uh so with that i'm gonna move on to our cons and, I, and i'm gonna go first in this okay. one um uh, i i didn't th- i thought they criminally underutilized gerard butler they could have had basically anybody playing his character like yeah he i was didn't just... realize
1: it was him until i saw the credits honestly
0: really yeah he was just, i mean he was just uh, like kind of a friend to quinn but it, it's I don't know. Like, his death was sad, I guess, but it, I didn't really know him, and he wasn't really all that useful or, or important, so I thought that was a little you bit did of a You cry when Creedy
1: got cremated?
0: No. <laughs> I was about to start crying because, like, oh, great, I have to listen to kids crying, and I was, like, crying <laughs> for my own displeasure of having to listen to that. Um, but, I mean, beyond that, there's plenty of characters that you really don't get to know. Like, have you looked at the IMDb list of names for the characters in this movie? Not really, no. I, I was like, what these were their names? There's AJ, Barlow, Devin, Gideon, Gush, Burke, <laughs> Mead. Like they There's have all Blazer these, on there? It's uh Blazer. <laughs> <laughs> they uh they it, it just for me, none of these characters even existed. You know, they were all just part of the the crowd that were being kept alive by Quinn. So whatever, yeah. yeah you know, there,
1: there was this moment right, right after uh, Van Zant is killed by the dragon, right after he's eaten by the dragon. I'm just like, I feel like all the color went out of this movie. You know, it's yes. just like, like I really like Christian Bale, and I think Quinn was a pretty compelling character to carry the movie for the beginning. But as soon as you see Van Zant, you jump on board with him, and when he's gone, you're like. Well, now I don't really care as much, like it's just <laughs> it's like what you're left with is the bland kind of storyline. you're like, okay, like Quinn, take me to the end and and he does, but not with the same flavor or as as much appeal as um, Matthew McConaughey does when, when he's on screen
0: right and and not to say that I didn't appreciate the way that he went out. it's just without him, what do we have left you yeah. know and, it, it, and again, I think that his his whole story arc is fine, but it's uh you really notice the difference between him and literally every other character once he's gone um so I also think that the one male theory not only like existing but also being correct is kind of extra convenient uh you know and i, yeah, it's, I agree <laughs> it's like. How did no one else figure this out? And, and we'll, we'll dive further into kind of the logical inconsistencies with the whole premise of the dragons. But uh, that just that's extra convenient. <laughs> There's also helipads wherever they need them, which is also kind of extra convenient. Uh, that's getting further into the nitpicks. But it's like this helicopter flies into this castle, which is de- completely like almost ruins, and people are obviously haven't been really using that much uh, air. Air traffic control, and then they can—they have a perfect helipad to land on. And then when they go to London, there's a little helipad floating in the in the water that it's perfect to land a helicopter on. I just. stuff like that you're like what so even though it's not really that important but uh i have a lot of other things that i want to go into but i'll save that for the overall section what what are what were your cons
1: yeah I, i agree that i feel like there's a very convoluted and convenient plot resolution with there just being one dragon that they have to kill right um i mean it's like it's almost like phantom menace level of like everything solved with one single shot kind of thing.
0: Yeah, especially because the reason that that dragon is alone, like, I don't know what dragon culture is like or, or what <laughs> dragons, <laughs> what their relationship with the one male is. But obviously it's like the bigger dragon and it eats the other dragons, but um, it is kind of convenient that they didn't have to do anything for the dragon to isolate itself. So they only have to fight one dragon at a time, right? Like it would have shown maybe a little bit more... Uh, it would have been a little more interesting if they had to do something maybe to isolate that dragon but you know, it's
1: hungry so it's eating its own is i guess good enough and yeah i don't think there's enough dragon action in this movie um you know there's some there's some pretty cool parts but i would have liked to see so much more dragons flying around breathing fire destroying stuff that's the best parts of this movie and there's not enough of it in my opinion
0: yeah, maybe we could have seen more of humanity getting destroyed in the first place instead of just yeah some of the like, apocalypse that was it,
1: uh, over, under underway. I guess.
0: Yeah. So um, okay, let's let's go ahead and dive into it. So I think this movie takes an interesting concept and expands on it. Uh, but unfortunately, it remains pretty surface level. Uh, Quinn's monologue at the beginning of the movie lays down this framework for a, a world that's really interesting. It's not—it not only contains dragons; not only a world where dragons are real, but it's almost—you know—in the—in the big picture, it's largely defined by the dragons. Uh, the dinosaurs were ex- exterminated by the dragons. The ice age happened because of all the ash. All the—these are just parts of the dragon cycle, where they show up, they feed, they destroy until they've destroyed it all, and then they go back underground and wait until they can do it again, until the world replenishes itself, Uh, which is a really cool concept, and immediately I was on board with that, Uh, so, but in that monologue, Quinn says that they seemed invulnerable, which at the time, you're like, okay, maybe I'll learn more about that later. Why couldn't humanity stand up to them at the time? But once we're see, see, shown the dragons and we're, we witness some dragon fights, we, I can't help but question how invulnerable they actually are. Because the two that we see get felled by humans are, one of them gets killed by a, a harpoon, uh, <laughs> and the other one gets killed by an explosive arrow. A
1: well-timed explosive arrow.
0: Granted a well-timed explosive arrow, but a, a, an explosive arrow nonetheless, it's still not some sort of magic or something outside of the realm of possibility for other humans to to use. Right. It just seemed, I don't know, it just seemed uh, like surely somebody, the Americans, had enough time <laughs> to amass weapons and fight back effectively, okay? It, it, it just seems unlikely that... There would be no one else who would figure out an effective way to kill dragons. In fact, no one else. I mean, I'm just saying, like nobody figured it out. Even these guys are still somewhat ineffective. But it's uh, it it kind of reminds me of The Walking Dead. Have you have you uh? I've, you ever s- watched the mean, Walking
1: Dead? I've seen a couple episodes. I I know the whole premise.
0: Well, I, I yeah, I only watched like the first three seasons. Then I went to college and stopped watching so much TV. And uh but one of my, one of the things about The Walking Dead is uh they don't the way that they fight zombies is like pretty it's not pretty easy but you know they have guns and there's like this ragtag group of people that somehow survives and you got to think it's like how did nobody else survive this you know it's like it's you guys <laughs> well, are the isn't that the whole
1: one. thing is that tons of people did survive it
0: i guess and may, maybe that's uh, there, there's more to walking dead that i don't know about but it, it's it's you have to establish a interesting premise, and if you can't make that airtight, it you it creates a shaky foundation. Uh, and it, and for me, the biggest problem with the dragons here is that it seemed like they're completely invulnerable to begin with, but like we saw, all of these. Um, like, it didn't all happen at once. It wasn't mm-hmm. like that, it, the, the Quinn awoke the male dragon, and then suddenly the world is flooded with dragons, everyone is wiped out in 24 hours. It happened iteratively with people reporting on it and the UN meeting about it. So, yeah. hu- I, I just, I have more faith in humans, I think, than this movie <laughs> does. So, uh, that that for me was a, a bit of a problem. I don't know, What what did you think?
1: yeah i I didn't really think about it that way, but you're definitely right the there isn't very much of a like there isn't a lot to to in the text that shows how invulnerable dragons are yeah there's a lot of stuff that's said about how they are and they i think they do a really good job of building up how scary they are, yes. especially when like that first one shows up and it burns the fields and it, like just totally destroys them they're like totally unprepared all they're doing is like putting out the fires and stuff i mean that's kind of um Emblematic of Quinn's whole philosophy to just kind of hunker down and survive versus yeah. Van Zant's, which is more aggressive. But at the same time, it's like these things aren't, you know, magical. Just like Van, Sant, Van Zant says when he's trying to recruit people from the castle, he says, These things aren't magical. They are made of organs, just like us. You know, you take out one of those key organs, then they're dead. So it is, maybe it's almost like a mindset of like um, how dragons have proliferated throughout you know, human consciousness for such a long time and have been this unstoppable enemy and as soon as a dragon shows up on the world stage, there's nothing we can do about it because we're just not capable of comprehending something that's so inanely perfect for killing humans?
0: Right, but can we comprehend bullets shredding through dragging don't
1: though that's the thing i mean you see that with the big dragon when the big dragon comes through and then they're shooting at it with the rifles and stuff right i always felt like the guns were totally ineffective
0: right so why use them it just seems like a contradiction to have the gun like all right everybody lock and load and it's like Mm. all right but we already know from a a history of fighting these things that this is completely useless so what, (laughs) what are you doing You know, it just see just a little bit of inconsistency. Yeah, you know, it looks cool to have everyone shoot it, shoot it, but like everyone knows that (laughs) that that's totally pointless. So why are we doing it? You know, like if that's if that's the way it is, then it should be run and hide always, and not uh, lock and load and take your positions. You know, that's that's suicide. And while when it happens, everyone looks scared, so obviously they know there's a level of uh, danger there. Obviously, but. if bullets are completely useless against dragons what are you doing so um and also guess what's better than harpoons bullets so
1: (laughs) i don't like a harpoon is like i mean it can't fly as fast right but it's like bigger and has more force behind it right
0: i don't know dude like (laughs) i i don't know the exact physics to it but something tells me that lead going faster than the blink of an eye is going to be has a better chance of maybe piercing i don't know i we're getting too deep into the uh, things (laughs) that i'm not sure about yeah um but i just think uh (laughs) that that level of inconsistency at least i was more focused on that while i was watching it being like how come that works and not this um so, other, other topics that kind of remain service level is, like, they kind of focus on the food shortage at first, which, at that point, I thought this movie was going to go more into the survival aspect of uh, the, the dragons, where, um, you know, they, they have this inner conflict where people are like, we have to go get food now. And it's like, no, you have to wait till they germinate, and also dragons. But once the story gets going and Van Zandt shows up and, like, throws Jared an apple they kind of forget about that. I know later we see Quinn going in and harvesting the uh, roasted tomatoes, but it's not really a main focus or, or really a problem anymore at all. You don't see anybody really starving or it, it's completely becomes about solving the, the dragon problem, you know? Which yeah, is- but,
1: but I, I think there's, there's something to say about like long term versus short term thinking here, right? Like Quinn is like Eddie says, oh, we're gonna go get the food now because we're hungry right now. And Quinn's like, you can't do that because we're going to be hungry in the future, too. Um, but when Van Zant shows up, he has an immediate solution to their dragon problem, right? It, right. Like, the, those things aren't necessarily mutually exclusive, although they could be if Van Zant is, is successful. Yeah, you know I, guess, I,
0: mean? I guess I was expecting to see some sort of results from the or not results but uh consequences consequences from having all of their food burnt uh it was but only
1: it, half of it but yeah they i see what you're saying like you wish there had been some parts for like the kids were like we're we're hungry quinn Can yeah show some me food some food? starving kids
0: okay i need. Mean, <laughs> <laughs> i just uh yeah it just felt like it was a lot of meaningless uh action because it I mean, maybe not meaningless, but, you know, it, it, it didn't really seem to matter all that much that they lost that food, even though in the moment I was like, oh, no, you know, their food. So I think there's
1: a I think there's another thing that's going on here, and that's to kind of set up uh, like Quinn's whole philosophy. Right. He I mean, his whole thing is to outlast him. Right. And I mean, this is something that my dad pointed out to me. He's like, they, they let Eddie back into the society like okay. he went out there and totally screwed everyone, but they totally just opened the doors and are like yeah, you know, you did a bad thing, but we're going to still keep you around because every person is important. Every single human that's still alive is one human that's outlasting the dragons, which is kind now of you, cool. Yeah. So like the Quinn is looking at this again with a big picture. He's saying, looking at this with a long-term view. He's saying, you know, Eddie's an asshole, but he is another person. We're, we're on the same side in the end. We're humans versus dragons. We have to put aside our differences and work together to survive.
0: Right, and, and that definitely is a lot of Quinn's philosophy, like forgiving Eddie, teaming up with Van Zandt. It's, it's kind of a faith in human versus, I guess, conflict within humans while you're, you've got a much worse foe to worry yeah. about. Yeah, I think so, that's one
1: of the things this movie does really well, is showing the difference between two people and showing how they would normally be complete enemies and how they have to work together and that they do. They put aside those differences for the sake of each other. Um, and I don't know, I think that's kind of nice. I think that's a, a nice message to take away from this crazy dragon movie.
0: Right. And it's the logical response, too, because I, I can't imagine how frustrating it would be if everyone was too worried about fighting each other while there's dragons destroying everything without any sort of resistance.
1: So um, <laughs> Yeah, well, they, they definitely put that up there. You know, they definitely say that the dragons are like this, you know, this world ending event. You know, it's not. Like the thing I'm trying to compare it to is Pacific Rim, of how like they have the monsters coming out of the ocean yes. and they have to fight them and stuff. And it's like yes. the like the mon- the kaiju kind of change society and alter everything around it, but it's like things still move on. You know, people still kind of live normal lives almost, even though this thing is always happening in the background. Right. Whereas this this is not the case. This is like like Walking Dead level. This is like society has crumbled. Nothing is left. The only thing that's left is small communities that are like fending off dragons with spears you know like there's nothing there's nothing left there's 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 nothing to build anything off of
0: right right there was they talked about the guy who was a chemical engineer and the only thing that he did that was different from everybody else was he theorized how the dragons spit fire yeah that was like (laughs) there aren't really jobs for chemical engineers anymore in this post-apocalyptic world um so this let me get a couple more complaints out before i turn around and say some more good stuff about this movie um the I, I thought the idea of the the smell of dead dragons kind of scares the dragons away, and I thought they were going to kind of go deeper on this when Quinn is digging around in the dragon flesh, but they kind of leave it behind. They're like, "Oh, this will this stench will cover us for a couple of days, but it's like, all right, whatever. Uh, it seemed like dragons didn't come around all that often anyways, and then he pulls out an egg out of the dragon, and he didn't do anything with it, right? <laughs> He just just pulls it out. He's like, ah, yes, a dragon egg. Because what I thought they were going to do to kind of tie this together, I thought they were going to eat the dragon. I thought it was like, aha, meat from the sky, but they don't even mention it. And then they pull out this egg and I'm like, giant omelet confirmed? And (laughs) they they don't even do that. So it just seemed like they kept on pulling out things that they could have expanded on and then they just didn't do anything with it, which for me is a little bit disappointing. But... But I think that this movie doesn't care about all my logic problems. I think this movie is service level, and it wants to be. There are dragons. That's the point. The whole point <laughs> of the movie is that dragons exist. They're a problem, and we've got characters who have to solve it. And uh, that's fine. That's all. If that's what this movie wants to be, I think it does a good job on delivering on that aspect. Um, we get to see some like true American badassery from Van Zandt, uh, who is an absolute legend in this film, I and mean, he doesn't get bogged down by too many details he, he's a very goal-oriented guy and he's yep. and his character sticks to it the entire movie uh i love i love one thing specifically about van Zandt is the way he explains the plan uh even though he does that every five minutes uh he's like constantly explaining the plan but it's matthew mcconaughey and i love it so um I yeah. So the premise allows for us to have this simple one-track-minded hero in Van Zandt, who ends up being completely glorious the whole movie, and he even dies in like an epic, glorious death uh, that's truly memorable. And so that's that's my favorite takeaway from this movie.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, and I I do like that, too, because it seems like for a second there, you're like, is he really going to take down this dragon with his axe by jumping on it? And then, of (laughs) course, no, like that's that's not not how this works. But like for a second there, you're just like, you you believe it. You believe he can actually do it. And yeah, like I said before, he totally disappears into this role. I love his like his his, like what he's wearing. He's wearing like that vest, but it's like everyone else is wearing jackets, but he has like (laughs) his vest doesn't have any sleeves. He's always like smoking a cigar. And yeah, he just looks so he looks so dirty. And he has all these like, um, uh, like tattoos all over him. So it looks like he's covered in grime constantly. Oh yeah. And he well, like, the, wait, there's that one scene when he's um, they're in like the the rail car that's like like on a tilt, and he's like at the top, and then he like shuffles down, and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> he like does these weird like grunts and like the, like kind of weird breathing things. He does that the whole movie. He's just like constantly like making weird like caveman noises. Oh know, yeah. He's, He's big time he's, into the role. He definitely is. And he's just, he's, he's so commanding in every single scene. And he speaks with this kind of measured intelligence. He's just really a great character. It's it's awesome. And I mean, I'm thinking about like if this movie was made today, they would have they would have hammered home the, the Van Zant. you know. He would have been in the sequel for sure. Oh, I mean, big time. Van Zandt's for revenge or something.
0: <laughs> he comes back like with the, his arm is replaced with his axe now. Like he's like,
1: a... oh my God. <laughs> He's got like one scar across his face from being eaten alive by a dragon.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's got battle damaged Van Zandt, and he's just he's ready. (laughs) He's back and he's now they have to kill like something else, like giant pythons or something. He's uh yeah, I, I loved the way he went out because it's it so fitting for who he was. You know, it only makes sense that he would jump willingly into the mouth of the dragon, swinging his big old axe. So, uh, another thing I really liked about him, um, even though I think that his best power was explaining the plan, I also think that he was good at uh, being the like convincing people of stuff mm. because there were many times where him and Quinn went head to head, but he. Quinn had spent so much of his life hiding. I think he missed out on a lot of, not maybe missed out, but y- y- naturally he's going to have a different life experience than Van Zan, who's been out here flying. <laughs> they still didn't uh, explain how that worked because you would think, I mean, maybe dragons aren't patrolling the seas, but you would think that flying for a long time would be pretty dangerous with dragons around. But uh, That's
1: the whole thing, though. That's the thing that's like, that's the thing that's so cool. Is that they bring in that helicopter and you're just like, oh, maybe they do know what they're doing. Yeah. Because there's no way they would keep that helicopter in the air for very long, you know. And, I mean, they make a big point to show just how competent of a pilot Alex is. Yes. You know, there's a whole, she's very deft and everything. And I think that kind of, to cover your, uh, to fill in your uh, plot hole a little bit about helipads, you could just say that she's such a good pilot, she can land anywhere
0: okay yeah um although how good she must be a really good pilot if she can keep that thing fueled forever without ever having to refuel uh,
1: <laughs> maybe it runs up dragon blood
0: that would i doubt that but I, i'll take it <laughs> it's uh, but that's the thing I, yeah I, i'm gonna i'm gonna cut it off there at the criticism for the realism because uh this movie isn't really concerned with that and i think that's i think that's okay i think it's fun to poke fun at that idea but also um Come on, it's a movie about dragons, so we've already thrown reality out the door at the first step but yeah. um but um yeah i i i I do really like the uh character of van Zandt, uh and I think that overall he would be my favorite um but moving forward from that, um just the harping more on the idea of this movie knowing what it is and kind of focusing on that, I do think that even though the one male dragon theory is kind of convenient it does allow this movie to come to a like a satisfying close in less than 2 hours uh because it's a big problem and they found like the one weak spot and so i don't know it's a, it's an enjoyable ride uh from like not knowing what's going on to kind of discovering they can fight the dragons to finding the one dragon they have to kill to that really like solving everything it's like a Enjoyable, closed uh plots st- or story, yeah. Even though it's somewhat hollow,
1: I I completely agree with that. It's fun, you know. Um, and there is kind of this interesting human element behind it with like the conflict between Quinn and Van Zand. Um, but like they overcome that to a you know, great success, and yeah, I think that's nice. There's there's not really much beneath the surface though, and th- th- you're not gonna. Watch this movie to stimulate, you know, your moral dilemma, the part in your mind that's itching for some more dilemmas or for some unique storytelling. It is pretty standard as far as action movies go, but it does have some unique elements in there, that being Van Zandt and, of course, the dragons. So there's there's a, I think there's not a lot to take away, but there's a lot to watch as it happens.
0: Yeah, I would say visually this movie is uh, maybe that's what's, what it's really going for. Just something yeah. to look at. Um, and, you know, and that's what it is. So, um,
1: yeah, there, I mean, there's some really good visuals. I mean, the, the dragons chasing the skydivers. I mean, that part is oh, so cool. Ba- okay. And That's something we haven't talked about out yet. I have the helicopter and there's just like that moment where it's like everything kind of slows down and you see the three of them like silhouetted against the sky with the helicopter. That's an awesome shot. Yes. And the the dragons burn, the dragon burning the castle, like the big one comes to the castle and he's climbing all over it, and he's burning it. I mean, I think I said this before, but the dragons just look so good in this movie. I don't know what they did, but it doesn't look so much like CGI. It, it really does look good. Um, and of course, like the showdown in the, um, in the ruined streets of London with the dragons, like going around and you see the dragon vision and see how they see them and everything. It's all pretty cool.
0: The dragon vision was pretty cool. Also, another thing that I noticed, uh, do, do you remember at the beginning of the movie when Quinn, like young Quinn is running through the streets of London and you see, the first thing you see is like a bunch of pigeons, like uh, kind of getting out of his way and it's very low frame rate. They're all kind of flapping their wings yeah. and flying out of there. That's That shot looks very similar to the shot at the near the end when we see all of the dragons swarming out of London, uh, mm. which I thought, I mean, maybe I'm connecting dots that weren't meant to be connected there, but I kind of saw a little bit of a parallel there because it was a very intentional, low frame rate shot of those pigeons at the beginning of the movie. and I was like, ooh, why did they do that? Mm, wings you know?
1: flapping, as the uh, subtitle said. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> wings <laughs> flapping. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah i thought that is interesting and i think there's um something to say about how that there's a stress on how dragons are supposed to be something natural that like the the dragons rising again is a natural phenomenon yeah and uh we have to fight against that nature and we're just like part of that big cycle that big chain of um being or i guess that uh what's what's it called food chain we're just part of that you know long drawn out food chain yeah and we need to um fight back against that if we have any chance
0: yeah we're we're usually at the top of every food chain but now there's this other link that's not always on the chain but when it is it's uh yeah above us bigger and it has wings so well i um i i was looking for some easter eggs i feel like this movie again surface pretty surface level not not really hiding a whole lot but the one of the kids in like the who was watching Star Wars was uh young Jack Gleason, who uh, is he goes on to be in Batman Begins. He's like the kid that oh, is. Oh,
1: that kid, the kid that's um that's Jeffrey or Joffrey, whatever his name is.
0: Well, yeah, he he's in Batman Begins, and then he's also more famously in Game of Thrones as Joffrey, one of the most hated characters. Uh, so <laughs> it's kind of cool to see him be this little uh like uncredited young man. I actually had, I looked at the IMDb for this movie. He's not credited. And I went to oh, really? the, well, I mean, there's so many kids, you know, I guess they, they all just kind of whatever. But then I went to his IMDb and it says he's in there uncredited. Gotcha. So uh, kind of cool. He, he has such a unique like set of eyes that it's so it's, it's really easy to, to see him. or like when you see him, you're like, Oh, that's gotta be Joffrey. That's no way. That's Joffrey.
1: Huh, cool. The only thing that I um picked up on was when they're, when they're in the, uh, um what's it when they're having the party they're having the soiree right after they kill the first dragon um uh, they're dancing and, and like and like uh partying to jimi Hendrix's fire which i felt like was a little on the nose oh yeah well i was wondering about that scene were they actually <laughs> listening
0: to that song or- I assume
1: so. It's it seemed like it the way it's presented makes it kind of seem like it, right? It kind of gets louder as they get closer to the castle.
0: Yeah, and the people are like somewhat dancing outside, you know, and it's like
1: the spotlights going. <laughs> <laughs> come and get us dragons exactly
0: (laughs) it is like is this really the best choice right now although i guess maybe you could say the stench of the dead dragon was keeping the other dragons away but still seems like they're doing they're kind of being a little bit extra about their uh their their dragon kill which mcconaughey definitely points out but yeah actually looking at the wikipedia entry for this movie there's quite a lot of there's like a, a soundtrack to this movie um So it's nice that they got Jimi Hendrix in there and fire. What an appropriate song name. Um, Okay. Let's move on to our quotes. And I think you've got our first one, Joey.
2: We have to outlast them. Only one species is getting out of this alive.
1: Um, This is part of that opening, opening, uh, monologue when he's talking about how the dragons took over the earth and everything. I just think uh, well, first of all, we have to outlast him is like a uh you know, kind of the whole theme of uh Quinn's strategy. And you see that, you know you see that in his actions over and over again until Van Zandt eventually convinces him that he needs to take action and defend and by attacking. Um and then of course one species only one species getting out of this life, I think is an awesome tagline for this movie. Um, uh, yes. And, I just I think it's it appropriately conveys the stakes uh, that we're going into with this. The dragons are dangerous. Watch out for dragons. They're gonna kill us all.
0: Right, and you know everyone can get on board with that. They're like only one species. Hey, I'm a human. You can't kill all of us. Hey, I'm of a species. Hey, my dad's a human. Like <laughs> 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 you take what that back. What are you back. saying
1: about my dad?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah I do like that and again um, it's why we played at the top of the episode I really like that whole monologue I think it sets the, the, the stage really well it, um, maybe too well where I was expecting more from this film than I got mm, but okay. uh, but I do like this line also in particular um, okay I've got the next one what do we do when we
2: wake both eyes on the sign. what do we do when we sleep on the sky. What do we do when we see him? run, run for shelter, shelter. Never, never look back.
0: So, I thought it was interesting uh that they kind of recreated parts of normal human society uh to to keep things, maybe to keep the norm within this uh, refugee community. They had I mean, this is kind of, I wouldn't say it goes as far as like being necessarily a religion, but kind of like a unifying thought process that uh, keeps people on the same page. This is more of like a, uh, more along the lines of a stop, drop, and roll. But,
1: <laughs> but. <laughs> you're right. It is. I didn't think about it that way, but you're absolutely right.
0: But they. But it is something that calms them, and they use it when everything is going bad. They kind of, and they're all in the basement under the sprinklers. They kind of use it to calm them down and and unify them, which I think is powerful. Uh, they also have, you know, they recreate culture by doing Star Wars, and I. Well, well, they did another. They they someone requested another movie. Oh, it was Lion King. Lion King, yeah. So it's like. They're bringing back these aspects of normal human culture, which I thought was a cool aspect to explore. It's like you have nothing now, so uh, but we're still humans. So what what do you what do you create? What what's still what parts of uh, human society do you bring back? And they, and I, yeah. I would say like a little bit of the culture, you know, kind of storytelling and, uh, and also kind of a little bit of the religious aspects. Uh, so I thought that was an interesting thing. As much as surface level as this movie was, those parts I thought were really cool and worth diving deeper into. Yeah,
1: it definitely builds this world up in, in a very nice and it's like seamless way. I, I, I enjoyed that part too.
0: Right. Um, so, okay, let's move on to the next quote.
1: Only one thing worse than a dragon Americans.
0: So, yes. I already said this before, but uh, obviously this was the best scene or the best realization about this movie for me. I was like, yeah, <laughs> baby! Like, Because like I say, like I always say this, I'm always so worried that Americans are going to go underrepresented in film and pop culture. So uh, it's nice to see them not only be represented, but properly represented as the true heroes and the, the ones who are going to take the real action to solve the problems.
1: Yeah, all these pansies up in England, hiding their castle. They need some Americans and some tanks to show them how it's done.
0: Right. Can you imagine this movie without the Americans? It would have just been a, an absolute slaughter fest. A buffet for the dragons. So <laughs> it was... I was happy to see Matthew McConaughey <laughs> representing us
1: well. This is such an iconic line. I mean, I think about this every time I think about this
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I, um... I, I would love to hear this just from an actual European while I'm visiting Europe, like, that, like t- talking about like some European lore and then them <laughs> say like, the only thing worse than this mythical beast is American. <laughs> 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 uh,
1: <sighs> okay.
0: All right. You got the next one?
1: Yeah. This one's a little bit longer.
2: I say pity the country that needs them. What are you celebrating? One dragon down, three men dead? Oh, yeah. At that rate, we might just be getting somewhere in about 320 years. Is that what you want? You want a little accommodation? These beasts live on ash. They feed on death. There's no middle ground. Not for them. Not for us. And sure as hell not for my men who died out there today. But you go ahead. Have your little soiree. Personally, you disgust me.
1: Uh, this is, again, probably one of the most iconic lines, and this is the one I, I always think about. Go ahead, have your little soiree. The soiree, dude. I've never heard the word soiree <laughs> before, but every time I hear it, I think of Rain of Fire. <laughs> but, I don't know, this is great. I especially since like, I feel like it's totally unwarranted because they just came in and they're like, what are you guys celebrating? It's like, you guys shouldn't be celebrating. It's like, yeah, they, it's not their fault. If anything, Quinn like saved you guys by putting up that extra vertical. But that's true. I just I love that. Like you know, Van Zandt's kind of just he's putting everything into perspective again. You know, it's like yeah, I I uh, I lost three guys out there that I shouldn't have lost. We we're out there uh, professional dragon hunters, and like you guys just don't even understand. Like there's a bigger fight going on. Like this, we've only won this one battle, but at what cost? Yeah, uh, it's. Yeah, it's a powerful moment, and it's just a really, really good delivery uh, by Matthew McConaughey. He's just uh, awesome at this.
0: Well, the the, at what cost is, is right because, like you said earlier, every human counts, and, and that's not just Quinn's viewpoint, that's also uh, Van Zandt's, even if Van Zandt is a little bit more cavalier about how they're going to deal with this problem. Uh, so that that is kind of a unifying worldview, I think, is that every single human matters, and and uh, while they did kill a dragon today, and that's good, obviously, um, it stopped the dragon from killing any more of them, but overall, it was a loss, right? A loss of three yeah. people. So um, I, I, I do like that. It does keep them grounded in the severity of the situation but one thing that i i want to see if you picked up on is did you notice what they were drinking
1: no what were they drinking
0: well earlier in the film gerard butler is like hey i've got this like this alcohol and it sucks but if you just drink it really quickly it'll burn your stomach instead of your mouth and your throat uh and it was pretty clear But the way he brought it up, it sounded like it was kind of rare and it was like a treat that they were sharing it, Um, which kind of confuses me moving forward because I think what they were drinking at the party was just water. Why do you say that? Because it was clear. It looked like water and people were just pouring it out of like a jug. So it seemed it looked like the party was just drinking water. And later in the movie, too,
1: that sounds like my kind of party.
0: Well, yeah. Well, I thought it was an interesting (laughs) choice because even later in the film, when um, Van Zandt throws a flask to Quinn, he drinks it. He's like,
2: "It's water,"
0: (laughs) and I like that idea of humans ditching the uh, like alcohol in 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 lieu of. Just drinking water because water—I don't know—water puts out fires. It's like the opposite of what of dragons, mm, you know. I like
1: that. And I they, didn't think about it that way. So, but you're right.
0: So to have when you have a party, you kill the dragon, you all celebrate by drinking water, uh, which is so. Uh, and also, I don't think they have as much access to alcohol. But um, okay, I,
1: well, I really like that idea. But that quote you just you just mentioned water. Um, is kind of proves that that's not what they're drinking at the party, right? Because they have alcohol, and he would expect there to be alcohol in the flask.
0: I guess in a flask, for sure, uh, that they would expect it there. But I I don't know. It, It seemed like they wouldn't have this much alcohol. Everyone has a glass of water, you know? And it so I don't know. It, I wish they were more clear on this because it would have been cool to make a point about it, right? To be like, we drink water because water puts out fires. Like drink up. That would have you been know? cool.
1: That would have been really cool.
0: Yeah, and it, it's maybe that's what they were going for. Maybe it's I just I like alcohol. that interpretation a lot. Yeah. So um but I, I did think it was interesting. Um okay, well let's uh let's move forward on to the next quote. Ah, he's
2: playing hide and seek, well, I can't mess.
0: Okay, so I bring this one up. Because while I do enjoy a lot of what McConaughey says, I do think there are some, um, there, there's like an excess of like manly scowling and saying like tough lines that sometimes don't come across perfectly in this film. Uh, and, and I want to bring up the word colloquialism because I think that right here we just saw two colloquialisms back to back. Uh, and and so a colloquial is a word or phrase that is not formal or literary typically one used in ordinary or familiar conversation which basically just boils down to just like things that people say you know like like when you're when you're Walking through your office and someone's like, like, hey, how you doing? And you're like, living the dream. That wasn't an original thought. You weren't like, oh, this is gonna, oh, I'll get him with this one. That's just something people say. Much like, you know, the the referencing say, oh, he's playing hide and seek, or more like cat and mouse, which, yeah, they do have kind of different meanings. And yes, they're t- technically being truthful here. Because saying that we're playing hide and seek uh, is would say we're hunting him right he's hiding from us and we're seeking him and then uh but they change it's like no it's actually cat and mouse we're the mice and he's trying to like mess with us so yeah they're technically correct but this the delivery here is totally worthless like it just it took me out of the moment like oh that was bad dialogue (laughs) that makes both of these guys not look like two people who exist in a world of dragons it looks like two characters in a movie who don't have a great script
1: yeah, I agree. The dialogue in this movie leaves a lot to be uh, um, desired. Yeah. There, there is some good moments, especially after Van Zant shows up, and he's kind of he's a little bit more flower with his language. Yes. Um, but the there is a lot of just kind of like, or like at the very beginning when they first meet, Creedy. He's like, "I'm your best friend. Uh, let me let me introduce myself by yeah. saying how we're related." <laughs> like, <laughs> right, right it's just uh, there's all these little things in there. it's just like uh, right uh, like
0: and the other one when he lets when he agrees to let van zandt into their castle, he's like, if you try anything, I'll kill you like, <laughs> all right yeah you know, okay uh, I guess you had to say that, but whatever you know like that's
1: uh, there's another way to say that yeah a, a, a way that's more dramatic
0: right, right and it's just it it takes you out of the immersion, which is kind of lame um but that's just that's
1: just how it is. That's just how it is. Great colloquialism.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. See how unsatisfying it was when I said that. That's why you can't can't use too many colloquialisms, especially not in your movie, especially not when you're trying to say something memorable or important. So uh, that's my point. And okay. now I'm gonna be tripping over colloquialisms for the rest of the day. So
1: <laughs> same. <laughs>
0: Uh, did you want to do this next one, or do we already cover it with you? Well, I think we already covered it. Okay. Um, all right, Joey. Well, I think you know what time it is.
1: It is time for us to go a little deeper. Deeper. deeper.
0: All right, and I'll get us started in here. Um, again, <laughs> like I said, this movie's pretty surface level, so I wasn't. I nothing was really jumping out to me to really dive a lot deeper on. But one thing I that stuck with me just because it happened at the end was. Um, the protagonist getting the girl or how I want to refer to it moving forward because it's how I refer to it personally, getting the grill because right. that's how it's the internet says it. Um, do, we, do we care if the protagonist gets the grill? Uh, right from the beginning, when Alex meets Quinn, you can tell they're like, oh, look, look at that extended eye contact. Ooh, they're standing close together. Are they going to kiss? <laughs> you know, like, and, and while that's obvious and you're seeing it, I don't think this movie needed it. In fact, this movie didn't need it so badly that they didn't even have it. They don't kiss, right? Uh, and, and I think it's fine to have a...
1: Are you one of those people that like sees a couple in public and you're like, prove you're a couple. Why don't you kiss? Like they do in every sitcom. <laughs> Or they, like pretend right. to be a couple right. and they have to like kiss because they're like they're actually brother and sister or right something.
0: yeah I'm not one of those people and I guess I don't I don't necessarily agree with this viewpoint but I I have heard like when people complain it's like oh why do, why are there gay characters in this we don't have to have like homosexuality forced down our throats you know like this is like you're showing this to kids you know but it, at the same time we do have we kind of have heterosexuality forced down our throats with stuff like this where it's like we definitely didn't need a love story here, but we got one, and 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 it's very minor, so minor to the fact where if you don't pay attention, you miss it. Like at the, it's at the end of the movie they like hold hands, and I don't even know if you can even like label that as like a love story. Yeah, that's arc. actually
1: a really good point. The first time I watched this movie, I thought that was totally unwarranted. Like them holding hands is like, where did that come from? Yeah. You know, like, I didn't know that they were a thing, but watching it this time, I was paying attention. Like, yeah, they, there is a lot of kind of setup to them, like, being attracted to each other. Right, but it's, um, it's
0: almost inexplicable. It's kind of like, oh, we're both attractive post-apocalyptic human beings, you know, <laughs> want to do it. That's how
1: it works in the post-apocalypse. You have to, you know, you have to, like, you know, you know, plant your seed.
0: <laughs> but they never mention that. They're never like, all right, like, we have to keep the, you know, it's it's important that yeah, we implied, do this. implied, though. It's very subtly implied like it's at the very least from a movie that doesn't dive too deep on a lot of things it it doesn't very dive very deep on this either it's kind of just like uh, oh yeah you know you're looking at your checklist of things that you have to have in your movie here's the protagonist gets the grill Mm. you know and Mm. it it, it if it didn't have it if alex even if alex died in the final battle or you know her and the americans moved on at the end I don't think it would have changed anything. I don't think my opinion of this movie at large would have been any different. It's just you know, oh, Quinn's the main character? Like in case you weren't sure who the main character was, it's Quinn because see he gets the girl at the end. Uh, yeah. And I just, that,
1: Okay, that's that's really interesting. And they kind of I didn't think about it this way, but you're this is kind of emblematic of the whole movie. The whole movie it's like sets up with this really awesome premise this awesome idea of dragons and then it suddenly has to resolve itself in the way that every movie resolves itself right you know it has to have a happy ending you have to defeat the bad guy has to be easy has to be done by a single person or like a, sing- a very small group of people right to establish who your protagonist is very easily you have to have a love story that ends happily at the end you know and there has to be kind of this hopeful message at the end it's it's this classic happy ending movie that kind of you know, shoehorns in the happy ending against all logic, against all premise that it set up set itself out to be. It started off as being like, oh, this is gonna be an interesting and unique story and ends with the way that every movie ends.
0: Right. And 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 one of the things I like about Alex is that she she is so capable. She is so um you know, she she is a complete character in herself. Uh, yeah. you know, she has these skills that no one else has. She uh even though she does follow orders a lot, Van Zandt's pretty much a leader. So that I don't think that takes away from her autonomy, but she is a interesting character character a somewhat interesting character all on her own and she doesn't need to have a love story to have her be memorable right when you talk about this movie you're not going to be like oh alex the damsel in distress or alex the main love interest you're going to talk about alex the awesome helicopter pilot so yes. to, to have her at the end need you know to, to feel the need to like make them hold hands um I wouldn't say it's like necessarily a bad thing because it is logical. The conflict is over and maybe it's a sign that things are going back to normal and, and now you can sustain a relationship and maybe, just maybe, have your own kid, Mr. Guy Who Clearly Wants to Have a Son. Um <laughs> <laughs> so i'm not saying it's completely out of con- like, completely out of place or or really changed my opinion of this movie at all but it did open my mind up to the idea it's like do we always need to have the protagonist get the girl or get the grill because i think in this situation we could have gone without it and it would have been the same thing
1: that's a really good point uh, okay well, uh, let's uh move right past that yeah
0: <laughs> on to the next one
1: okay so um the title of my little deeper topic is uh, called dragons are real. No, I swear they're real. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I love dragons. Dragons are like my favorite thing. And um, part of the thing that makes dragons so fascinating to me is that dragons for all intents and purposes are real and have really affected things in history. We, the humans have, interacted with dragons the same way that we interact with any kind of imaginary or like societal like structure the same way that we interact with like cities or interact with the idea of like a social order or anything like that dragons have existed in the commonwealth of human knowledge for a really really long time almost every ancient society has their own mythos about dragons have their own kind of version of a dragon you look at like old maps and stuff they say like they don't know where things like where there's fuzzy parts that they haven't explored yet they say here here be dragons because dragons represent this ultimate fear and that's kind of what the whole thing is dragons are this um uh almost portmanteau of different fears that people have of different uh throughout history things like bears uh, alligators snakes reptiles giant uh, flying monsters anything like that is kind of all put together kind of mushed together into the stew and out comes a dragon I even heard that once the Greeks started weaponizing fire um, in like to like they made Greek fire and started like you know using that to, to uh, fight their enemies uh-huh. dragons to also like in his in the stories started to adopt fire as a weapon so like the, oh, our natural enemies—that's cool—like have culminated into this thing called dragons. But also our own fears that we've created from ourselves, such as fire, have been added into this mythos to make it into this thing that is permeates throughout culture. Dragons are the ultimate sign of fear, the the ultimate enemy. They're this thing that's a the perfect combination of everything we've ever feared throughout our evolutionary history. Well, yeah, and I think it goes even further than this. Actually, go ahead.
0: Well, I was just gonna say it, it's kind of interesting that they do. It's it's throughout like multiple human cultures, right? Like dragons make an appearance in a lot of different societies that didn't necessarily interact all that much.
1: Yeah, there's. I mean, there's American dragons. There are European dragons. They have. A, they're kind of distinct. There's a little bit of difference to them. There's also like Asian dragons that usually don't have wings. They hide out like wells and stuff. The there's all these different cultures that have all developed their own independent idea of what a dragon is and yet they've kind of culminated into this conscious idea of this ultimate idea of fear. And I think there's like this other idea to this too, them like first of all like fire, right? Like ha- humans have always been masters of fire. Fire has always been like kind of under our control, sometimes it gets out of hand, things turn out bad, but it's been the work of humans to utilize fire and use fire as a, as a tool to imagine some other creature that can use fire even more efficiently and even better than we can, which would be a dragon. Also before we could, before we, you know, conquered the skies, before we had helicopters and air balloons and, you know, uh, and planes, you know, dragons occupied this extra dimension that we couldn't occupy. They occupied this idea of like coming in from above where we couldn't protect ourselves. It, the walls aren't useless against dragons that's their territory know, exactly
2: no they're just renting it
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so I, I just really like this idea that and I and I really like dragons I really yeah. like this whole um, kind of combination of how dragons are this uh, personification almost or I won't say that but this kind of what's like the animal version of anthropomorphize <laughs> uh... <laughs> <You know? laughs> <laughs> <laughs> like it's this combination of all these things that we have feared for a really long time. Culmination. One, culmination is good. Um that has become this thing that's um kind of permeated throughout society and existed forever. And of course like movie's like this kind of capitalize on that idea of that like you know dragons have been this thing that we feared for a long time. Yeah. But you see this all over. You see this in like especially in video games. The ultimate enemy is always a dragon. There's always this, you know, this thing that becomes a dragon. Dragons are like the, the ultimate sign of something you need to conquer because it's the ultimate sign of fear.
0: It's, uh, yeah, let's go back to colloquialisms with slay the dragon. That's like a very common saying. And it, it's because the dragon is this vision of the ultimate challenge the thing that fears that you fear the most that uh taking it on shows the most courage it, i mean yeah. just laying down the premise of this movie you you almost have to sit down and watch it because you're like like dragons you know like it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's part of this universal kind of understanding of what dragons are and what dragons represent um and also the fact that just dragons are so, like, if you, uh, just coming from my background, spending so much time waiting for the dragons in Game of Thrones, again, I'm just like, instant dragons? Sick. You know? I,
1: <laughs> I'm definitely... Yeah, no, d- dragons just add the DVD. <laughs> <laughs> No waiting required. <laughs>
0: so, yeah, I do enjoy that, too. I think it's worth appreciating because without the dragons, this movie doesn't have a purpose at all, you know? Um, <laughs> even even with, a like, a similar but less compelling f- uh, foe, uh, it's a different movie. You know, dragons kind of hold their own in, in the realm of fantasy uh, and uh, mythical beasts. Uh, so, um, yeah. yeah, really cool. So I think that basically wraps it up for our... Uh, breakdown of reign of fire joey do you want to do your rating first
1: yeah i'll do mine first okay um i give this movie a ton of little dragons but only one big boy that you have to worry about
0: (laughs) um i give this movie three vouchers for free skydiving lessons but they're only good for 17 seconds that's fine (laughs) (laughs) but um so yeah, I'm I'm glad we watched this one. I uh, I'm I Me too. I want to shout out once again our good friend Scott, friend of the podcast Scott. If you want to uh, hear our conversation with him, go look at our solo episode, uh, solo a Star Wars story. Um, but yeah, thanks again Scott for recommending Reign of Fire. Next up, we're watching Swiss Army Man, a movie that has come highly recommended to us uh, by multiple people actually. Um, if you have a movie you want us to watch, you can always tweet at us. Our Twitter is at affablechat, and you can send us an email at our Gmail account, affablechat at Gmail. Uh, we have gotten a lot of recommendations, and so far we've done all of them. Uh, but we've done that for like two months now, and <laughs> as much as we appreciate it, and we will continue to take them into consideration, we're going to, uh, we have a few that we are planning on doing ourselves. Uh, so our policy moving forward is we're taking recommendations, uh, but We're not necessarily going to be uh, fulfilling those recommendations right away. We're going to, we have some plans of our own, right, Joey? That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We love movies and sometimes we like to pick them too. We're going to go back to that. So uh, next up we got Swiss Army Man. Really looking forward to that. Uh, But for Affable Chat, I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Affable Chat. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. If you have a question, comment, or want to request something for us to talk about, you can reach us at our Twitter account, at AffableChat, or our email, affablechat at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.